0: God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning into the tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the chief center, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God. Featuring the latest updates on End Time Prophecy News. Don't Don't forget forget to subscribe to the the Tribe Tribe of Christians Christians broadcast. broadcast, Either either on on Stitcher, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Sinner.
1: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast. I'm your host, the Chief Sinner. How do you have faith in a dry season? I'm going to show you the answer through Malachi chapter 3 and an incredible revelation, how to keep fighting the fight even when the well dries up, and how that faith will replenish not only your well, but also the wells around you. Have you ever gotten to that moment where you are just at the brink of a breakthrough in your life, rather spiritual or financial, when something incredible is about to take place in your life or in the lives of those around you? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, something changes or impedes that pivotal moment, you know that life-defining moment where you know you're heading in the right direction of great revival and blessings, but something has happened and you're at a standstill. You're driving down the road on your way and all of a sudden something breaks down in your car and your car stalls out and you're stuck on the side of the road trying to figure things out. And sometimes something gets in your head and it tells you, what is the point? Why try when everything keeps breaking down? It's just going to break down again. Why try when it keeps failing over and over? You lose hope, you lose faith and you give up and everything stops right where you are. My wife and I recently bought a used 1998 Honda CRV to get around here in New York City. And just this past week, our AC compressor locked up on the car and the car stalled out literally just a block from our house. And I had to get out and push the car to get it home. And man, was it embarrassing. Everyone, thankfully, was stopping to ask if I needed help. And luckily, a couple of guys helped me to push the car home that that block. It's an older car and we got the car for a very cheap price. So some people would say that it isn't even worth the effort of fixing. But what do you do when it's your only option and you don't have any other choices? It's either fix it or have nothing at all. And sometimes that standstill may not come in the form of what I recently experienced through car problems. Sometimes it comes in various forms. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's a falling out in a friendship or a relationship, a family member or marriage. Sometimes it's sickness or illness. Sometimes it's in moments of complete silence. It has put everything kind of on a hold and you don't have it in you anymore to keep going. Now, how do you have faith in a dry season? how do you get up again when all those things keep happening? You keep being knocked down for the thousandth time. Now, I'm not talking about that one bad day that you had. I'm not talking about that one bad moment. But what I'm talking about is the collection of trials, the buildup of tribulations, one right after the next. That have finally convinced you to give up and I'm so glad that you're listening to this right now because you're not the only one. You're not the only one who's yelled in your prayers at God. What in the heck is going on here? I have been there many, many times before. And my goal is to get you to try again. My goal is to get you back in the fight. My goal is for God to breathe that life in you once again and to show you that God is worth fighting for. God is worth the struggle. That God is worth the cost. He is worth the sacrifice. God is worth everything that you have and more. And don't you dare for one second think that God isn't worth it. Don't you dare think that there is no glory, that there is no honor, that there is no purpose in the struggle, in the loss, in the fight, in the defeat, in the victory. Whatever the case is, don't consider for one moment that God is not worth whatever it is that you have gone through or whatever you have to do to pursue him. Don't buy into Satan's trap. Do not resent God do not resent pursuing God. Do not resent the sacrifice and the cost of pursuing God and godliness. In the time of Malachi, in the book of Malachi, the Israelites had returned back to their homeland from after the Babylonian exile and captivity. They witness with their own eyes their first temple utterly destroyed and burned down to the ground by the Babylonians. As a judgment sentence, they saw before their very own eyes their own sons and their own daughters, their husbands and their fathers, their brothers taken from them into Babylon. Everything that they had built just crushed to the ground, just like that. And after about 70 years, about 70 years into a second empire, the Persian Empire, under King Cyrus, they finally got to go back home and rebuild everything that was lost and that was broken. And we read in the book, of Malak, uh, the book of Nehemiah that they had miraculously built the second temple. They just obtained a moment of peace and freedom, and this was the moment they began to rebuild their nation and their cities. Things seemed to really be going in the right direction until something happens again. Now, can you imagine finally getting freedom getting forgiveness, and finally getting the chance to go after those dreams and and it gets messed up again, Israel was back in their homeland, having rebuilt their second temple and rebuilding their nation and cities when a drought hits. And they started to run out of food. They started to run out of resources. They started to run out of finances. And some of the Israelites, not all of them, but some of them failed in their hearts. They lost their joy for the Lord. As Nehemiah told them in Nehemiah 8.10, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And they gave up. They turned in their hearts against God. And they said, What is the point? Now turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 starting in verse 6. The Bible reads, I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you, descendants of Jacob, are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Now, Israel was oblivious to what God is talking about here. They absolutely had no clue what went wrong. God has charged Israel with disobedience and has found them guilty of disobedience once yet again. And God tells them to return to him and he will turn back to them. Now, here is the very sad and unfortunate thing for Israel at this moment in time. And it's a sad and unfortunate thing for anyone who goes through this. God tells them to turn back to him. But here they are driving down the road with all those great blessings and good things, not realizing that God isn't in the car with them. They have forgotten him somewhere on their journey and left him behind on the side of the road. They didn't realize that he wasn't there. That's why they said in their response, how can we return when we haven't gone anywhere? They've got it good. They had it great. They got to leave exile. They got to rebuild their temple. They got to start rebuilding Jerusalem and their cities. And what did they do when the things got good for them? Probably the same thing a lot of us do when things start to get good for us. We get complacent. We stop noticing the details. We stop giving as much. We stop trying as hard. We, start, we stop giving our full heart. And sometimes we get caught up in the motions. We get caught up in everything, especially when life seems to be doing very well and don't even realize that something is wrong until it's really wrong. We don't even realize something is wrong until the rivers start to dry up, until things start falling apart. It's like goodness of the things and the prosperity replace the goodness of God's presence. They got so accustomed to the materials, to the victories, to the prosperities, that they didn't even notice when God's presence left them. We do it all the time. We get used to the blessings and the good things and forget about God's presence. It's like we get in the car and the rush on our way into somewhere, but yet we left God at the house outwardly we can appear to be doing all the right things and it can appear in our own eyes that we're worshiping God but yet we have failed him in our hearts somewhere the smallest thing in our heart that isn't from God can drive us away from the very presence of God and lead us into a dry season so where did Israel go wrong at where was their disobedience at now, God is faithful. He's faithful in everything, every small and little detail, not like us where we forget things. No, nothing gets past God. He doesn't forget or leave things behind. Unlike us, he doesn't forget the details. He is faithful in all of his ways for a hundred percent, if not a million percent and more. And sometimes we don't realize that we aren't truthful being obedient even if it's by that one or two small things. But that one or two percent is all that it takes to cause your car to stall out, to cause it not to ring, to leave God behind on the road. Now, verse eight, it says, Should people cheat God? Yet you cheated me. But you ask, What do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me on the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. Somewhere after things got really good for Israel, they started to look at their neighbors and ended up turning in their hearts and said, what's the point? Look what they said in Verse 13. But you have said terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what have we done against you? What have we said against you? You have said, what's the use of serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we're sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed blessed. Those who do evil get rich, and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Oh man, how we are guilty of this. A lot of us, our entire nation, look at our nation right now. Look at what we're saying and what we're doing. America first, right? Make America great again. But we're not doing it in the right way. Have we not looked at all the benefits of what everyone else is doing? criminal things and how they're getting away with stuff have we not looked at all the illegal immigrants and how they're getting away with tax dollars have we not looked at all the other nations getting away at all the things at the expense of our nation we do this all the time even in our own personal lives but rather than continuing to do good some of us in our hearts have stopped doing good. We have stopped serving God and have gone on a revolt against God and against our trespassers. The nation of Israel relied on the tithes and offerings to feed the priests, to administer worship offerings and services, to feed the poor, and to take care of the needs of others. Their grain offerings or their harvest offerings or the lamb offerings were the very offerings that were made to atone for Israel's sin. So how can Israel atone for their sins if they're not giving the very offerings that the priests use to sacrifice for their redemption? So in reality, Israel was withholding the very tools of grace that covered them. That's like us. We don't truly realize the effects that our worship has on ourselves or in the lives of those around us. Sometimes we don't always see it. How our tithes or offerings, our prayers or worship has helped us or our neighbors because we're so focused on the evil everywhere else. The blood of Jesus is our very instrument of grace in the life. And yet, if we fail to worship Christ truthfully and wholeheartedly, we are failing to cover our sins under his grace. That is the very instrument that enables us. The thing here is that Israel gives their offerings and tithes once per year in September. So that means that a few years must have gone on like this until shortages started happening. So God put them under a curse and they started experiencing drought, which led to some of Israel carrying all the burden and the weight, while all these other people did whatever they felt like doing. And people started starving. Now, have you noticed that you start carrying all the weight of the responsibilities, either at home or at your job, and then you get discouraged because no one else is really working and you're carrying all the, all the responsibilities. So your heart, you start losing joy in serving God. You say, what's the point? Don't stop running the race. Don't stop fighting the fight. Keep on keeping on. Because sometimes when a drought hits, it's not because of you. But since you live under the same sky, you're stuck in it too. And sometimes the sins of others bring you into this situation because of association. But do not stop doing good. Do not stop serving the Lord and become like that guy or girl next to you who doesn't care. Instead, let your faith be the example for that guy or girl next to you. Now, this message isn't about tithing or offerings. It's not about finances. It's not about any of that. It's about faith. It's about putting action to your beliefs. When the tough gets going, you get going with it too. It's about the substance of what your faith is really made out of. When it comes right down to things, it's about our heart. And if our hearts love God enough to be obedient, even in sacrifice, to be obedient even in pain to be obedient regardless of the situation whether we're well or not so how do you have faith to give in a season of drought and when you're surrounded by everyone else who doesn't want to do the right thing how do you have the faith to bless in a season of lack fortunately god has not left us blind he always provides us with a way to return to him what was god's revelation to israel how to repent in verse 10 god says bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do says the lord of heaven's armies i will open up the window of heaven for you i will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in try it Put me to the test. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Notice verse 12. This verse is hugely significant, people. I hear this passage preached a million times, but everyone seems to forget about verse 12. A lot of churches and pastors like to preach on this passage of scripture about tithing and offerings, but I want you to get this right. I don't want you to miss this. I want you to see the entire truth. This verse right here in verse 12, it tells us the very reason Israel fell into disobedience in the first place, which affected their faith resulting in a curse in this dry period. He says, then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God is good. He tells us in Matthew six thirty three, seek him in the kingdom of God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Israel wanted to see evil punished. They wanted to see God's way prevailed over these evil nations for what they did to Israel. But look what God says, how he will give them this desire of their heart. God tells him to stop looking at these other nations. Stop letting these other nations influence their faith and their trust in God. As they said, what is the point when evil people get away with doing evil? It all started with some of the Israelites becoming envious of those who were doing evil. And they stopped giving to the Lord. But the Lord tells them, this is the one and only place in the entire Bible, both the Old and New Testament, where we can test the Lord, that we can test God to see if God is worth it. You want to know if God is worth the fight? You want to know if God is worth the sacrifice, your time, your effort, your energy, if God is worth pursuing? Well, he says it right here. Test me and see if I am not worth it. God is worth it. He says, bring in a 10th into the storehouse. And I'm going to ask you, is that all that God is worth to you? Is that all that Christ is worth to you? Just a 10th, a mere lousy 10th. God is worth 100%, 100%. God, you can have it all because God is my treasure. He is my value. He is my reward. And he says, see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven for you. If 10% of your effort opens up the floodgates of heaven in your life, can you imagine what 100% does? The word floodgates or window of heaven is a very interesting word in the Hebrew passage right here, which is the same word that is used to describe the flood in genesis which destroyed and flooded the whole world now can you imagine a flood of god's blessings upon your life the size of the flood which destroyed the entire earth you wouldn't know what to do with it and interestingly there was also a drought in the times of noah but nobody believed that it was gonna rain do not say it is pointless. For Jesus gave everything for you on the cross. He gave it all, more than anyone or anything in this world could ever give that can compare to it. He gave everything, and not for riches, not for power, but He gave it for you. He gave everything for you. How can we sit here and say that He isn't worth it? How can we turn in our hearts, in our minds, and tell Jesus that He's not worthy of just 10%? Oh, how we owe our entire very lives to Jesus, For nothing compares to the riches of Jesus. So how do you have faith in a dry season? Give Jesus the honor. Give Him the glory. Give Him the worship. Give Him your love. Give Him your life. Whatever area in your life that you have been holding on, that you've been holding back, stop holding it back and let it go. Here you go, God. You can have it all. You can have everything. Has someone wronged you and have you refused to forgive them? Has something happened to you that caused you to stop, to stop pursuing God, to stop going to church, to stop loving your neighbor? Is everything going well for you in life? Make sure you have Jesus in the car with you. Make sure that you haven't left him behind on the side of the road somewhere in your heart. And before you know it, that dryness will turn into a land flowing with God's blessings in your life and in the lives around you. Test him with this, it says, and see if he is not good. Just as it says in verse 12, He will make your life such a blessing and an example that every life around you will know that He is the Lord God. If that is you right now, if you're guilty of saying in your heart, like what they said in Israel, I will not serve you, God, or I will only serve God in this place or in this way or in this situation, is your heart and service to God conditional? Is it based upon your needs or desires? If so, I want you to please pray this prayer with me right now. And make God move in your heart the very truth that He is the reward. He is everything and nothing else compares to Him. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You for who You are. And I thank You for Your Son, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. I thank You for Your Word and for Your Holy Spirit. Father, please forgive me for where I have gone wrong. Please forgive me of my sins. Forgive me if I have held anything back from you, O Jesus. You are worthy of all of my praise. You are worthy of all of my worship. You are worthy of all of my attention. You can have it all, O Jesus. May my life be a blessing to you and a blessing to those around me. O Lord, you are faithful and the struggle is not useless. The struggle is not pointless. The race is not worthless. You are worthy of all of my life. Give me the strength to keep running. Give me the strength to keep fighting the good fight. And may my life be the life that reveals who you are to the lives around me. And in your great name, O Jesus, I pray. Amen. You can find more great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com. Also, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and share it to help us get the word out. We are also on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. This concludes this episode's podcast. I am the Chief Center with the Tribe of Christians, and may God continue to bless you and always be with you.